What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. We got to talk about Rodney Hood today, folks. Rodney Hood tore, ruptured the Achilles tendon in his left leg in Friday's game against the Los Angeles Lakers. I want to discuss that injury, how his teammates reacted, how the Blazers handled it immediately in their next game on Sunday against Oklahoma City Thunder, and what's next for the team in the wake of Rodney's injury, in the wake of a loss to the Thunder, and, and where do they go from here? But let's start with just a discussion of the injury itself and how Rodney's teammates reacted afterwards, because to me that was the most telling part of what happened. We'll get to the basketball stuff. Well, let's talk about the human stuff first. Hood suffered the injury with about just over three minutes left in the first quarter. He went up for a rebound and came down with, from initially my vantage point, seemed like a twisted ankle, maybe stepped on someone's foot, but replays indicated that it was a non-contact injury. And once you saw it, it, the replay, it was pretty clear that this was what it was. It was an Achilles injury. He reached for the back of his ankle. He had gone down without contact. It should be said that, or noted, I guess, that Hood had left the previous game with about just under five minutes left, about 440. I think he checked himself out of the game. Uh, He'd been dealing with a sore Achilles on his left side, the same one that he ended up rupturing. And he signaled to Coach Stotts that he was he needed to check out of the game. So he left that game early. Blazers brought in Baysmore and closed out a victory. But against the Lakers, Hood had cleared all protocols, according to Terry Stotts. I think there is an important uncertainty surrounding the injury. Uh, we don't know what a sore Achilles necessarily means. I think it's easy to say he shouldn't have played because he was dealing with the injury. And I think that that is a valid opinion to hold at this point. But we don't really know anything beyond he was dealing with an Achilles injury and then he ruptured his Achilles. I believe Terry Stotts when he says that Rodney Hood cleared all the protocols. I don't think he was pressured to play. Obviously, the, that final decision is made between him and the training staff. I, don't, I think it's too early to, without talking to Rodney Hood, without him having time to sort of process what happened, to point blame. But I think it's important to note that this was something that maybe didn't come out of nowhere. It was something that the Blazers and Hood knew was bothering him. He even t- said before the game that, that, yeah, the Achilles was still a little bit sore, but he was going to give it a go. But more than that uncertainty, more than the murkiness of of whether Hood should have been playing or whether he was, you know, whether this was unsafe or whatever the word you want to use is, is I think the thing that I'll remember from being in that locker room after the game was how sort of upset the Blazers were. Now, this wasn't the devastation and the shock from like it was for the Yusuf Nurkish injury. This was just truly... When Yusuf Nurkish got hurt, there was a more morbid feeling. It was such a sudden freak accident. It was was much more visibly 
troubling to the team that that I think they were much more shaken in the locker room. This was just more just devastation. Rodney Hood chose to come back to the Blazers. I think people make too much of him taking a hometown discount. The language I would like to use is he chose to be in Portland. He took as much money as the Blazers could legally offer him under the CBA because this is where he wanted to be. And he was having his best statistical season of his career, shooting a career best from the field and from three. He was really helping that starting group make sense in their brief time together along with Carmelo Anthony. Damon Lord said he went over and, and saw Hood in the, on, the, on the medical table. His wife was in the, the medical room, which is like opposite the Blazers. Uh, it's across the hallway from the, from the actual locker room. Went over and said he gave him a little hug and told him to, you know, keep your head up, but didn't really offer him too much because as Dame said, what do you say? And not what do you say because he maybe couldn't find the words, but what do you say because everyone knows this is a really big deal and bad news and a long-term injury that can alter someone's career? CJ said he he went over and, and, and gave him a hug and offered some words of encouragement, but he didn't, he too didn't really know, didn't really have the words. And Carmelo Anthony, who's only been around Rodney Hood a short time, opened up his post-game press conference, basically, or it's not even a press conference, post-game sort of media scrum saying that he didn't think they should, that reporters or anyone in the locker room should be talking about the game. The Blazers got beat by the Lakers and Melo didn't, he, he said that it, there's this wasn't a time to discuss basketball or the game because someone's body was breaking down someone's career and was in jeopardy potentially he didn't say that but that's the implication is that it's not it wasn't the time to discuss those things and to me it was that sort of that emotion from the blazers team leaders is that is what i'll kind of remember from that night i've unfortunately been around the blazers for a lot of bad injuries Odin and Wes Matthews, Yusuf Nurkic, you know, even Ed Davis electing to have uh, season-ending surgery that, you know, a, a beloved teammate that was, that had his season derailed. Obviously, the hood injury is more longer term, but I will remember that reaction from the Blazers vets. Just on a personal level, Rodney Hood's cool as hell. I've enjoyed talking to him, covering him, getting to know him. And I think that was reflected in the way Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Carmelo Anthony talked about him. They didn't really, this was an, a time when they were maybe at a loss for words. Dame, who's as good at speaking to the media as anyone in professional sports, just didn't really have, other than just outright devastation and being upset, he didn't really have the words to, you can't, it's hard in those moments to offer real words of encouragement. It's more just an earnest understanding of how severe things were. And that's what I'll remember from that night is, is that energy in the locker room. In the second segment, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about basketball. How the Blazers 
who were forced to move forward. And I think that was the theme of, of post Rodney's injury, the, the, the post game right after Rodney's injury is that the Blazers had no other option, but to move forward. They, it happened on a Friday night. They had Saturday off as a team and they were playing again on Sunday. They, they had to move forward and they did. And so in the second segment, I want to talk a little bit about how the Blazers approached their first game without Rodney Hood, the actual basketball stuff. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live, and we'll share and retweet it. Also want to tell you all about Audible. It's the time of year when everyone is traveling or running around getting thoughtful gifts for people you care about. Think about giving yourself the gift of an Audible membership. Now is the best time to do it with a special offer of 53% off your first three months. Access an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. You can choose three titles every month. One audiobook and two exclusive Audible originals and you, that you can't hear anywhere else. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere with the Audible app. It's great while you're commuting, if you're at the gym, or during your holiday travels. Listen, you're a Blazer fan, you're going to get on an airplane, travel somewhere, download David Halberstam's Breaks of the Game. Listen to that wonderful book about the 1978 Blazers season. It'll make your holiday travel better, I promise you. But there's more. Audible's just a great service. With Audible, you'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges and your own audiobook library you keep forever. That's even after you cancel. So right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. Give yourself the gift of listening. For more, go to go to audible.com slash locked on NBA. That's Audible.com slash LockedOnMBA or text LockedOnMBA to 500-500. All right, welcome back. So we talked about Rodney Hood's injury and the player's earnest devastation following the injury. Uh, Sort of a moment and a tenor that I won't forget about this Blazers season. But I want to talk about basketball stuff. I want to talk about what act- how the Blazers addressed the injury. Obviously, they addressed it emotionally on Friday, but on Sunday, they had to play the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they had to do something about Rodney Hood's minutes. They had to slide someone in the starting lineup, which meant that the bench was going to get moved around. It meant everyone sort of behind him was going to get bumped up in minutes, and the Blazers were going to have to make some changes. So they went with the obvious one. Started Kent Bazemore at small forward. I think that was the easy one to guess. The Blazers don't have a ton, or a ton of options behind Kent Bazemore. They didn't have a ton of options behind Hood. Their depth will be challenged by this. And I'll talk a little bit more about what else they can do in the third segment. But I want to talk about how they did this first. So Bazemore started and got a bump up in minutes. He was already playing just shy of 30 minutes. Against OKC, he played about 36. I think you can pencil him in probably right about 36 for the rest for the time being, for I, I can't say the rest of the season. The, I have a feeling the rosters might change dramatically at some point. But for right now, I think that makes sense. Uh, the other thing that Terry Stotts did is he stuck with the subbing CJ McCollum and, and Carmelo Anthony out early, sort of after the 
basically the guys walk up to the table at the, just after under six minutes. When the clock hits six, Anthony Simons and Nazir Little walk to the scorer's table. So the first two subs were McCollum and Anthony. And eventually, Stotts went nine deep. Scalabissier came in with that group because it made sense to sub, sub him in at the time. And Mario Hazonia came in, playing a little bit of backup three, technically, with Nazir Little at the four. The way the subs worked in this particular game, Damien Lillard would have come out with about two minutes left in the quarter, but uh, there was a foul and there wasn't a stoppage, so he ended up playing the whole first quarter. But it would have been that that sort of the new normal where CJ goes out under five, under six and comes back under two, along with Carmel Anthony back to start the second quarter, and then you get your bench unit when you with. CJ, Ant, and Carmelo. So that's not too different. But here's the thing. Mario Hazonia was really, really bad. He played six minutes in his first shift, struggled from the floor, made, a lay- made one layup inside, but misses three other shots, including one from point-blank range, missed another three-pointer or a long two-point jump shot that he could have made. So Stotts, in the second half, instead of playing nine guys, he played eight. Same thing with Nazir Little and Free Simons coming off the bench. Same, but instead of taking CJ out, he left him in a little bit longer. Moved those minutes around. More Baysmore, more Dame, who played nearly 40 minutes. CJ, who played nearly 39 minutes. Carmelo played 35 plus, a little bit, probably more than you want him playing on any given night. And that's how Terry addressed it. And I think it's important to talk about the nuts and bolts because Hazonia was part of the initial plan and then played himself out of the rotation. Now, I think Hazonia could find himself back in, but for right now, the the guys that Stotts trust more off the bench are 19-year-old Nazir Little and 20-year-old Anthony Simons. Gary Trent Jr. was available in this game technically, but did not play. He had some sort of wrap on his injured hamstring on the bench. He's obviously still dealing with that issue. But I don't think he didn't I think he didn't play just because he wasn't part of the plan, not because he was still hurt. He was available and dressed out and all those things. So the big change I think with without Rodney in the lineup is obviously the star, that new starting group is all going to play more. They're all going to be north of 30 because those are the Blazers best five guys it's not a great lineup as is Kent Bazemore finished three of 11 from the field hit two threes early and finished three for six from deep but he just can't shoot he also fouls a little bit too much finished with five fouls he just he gambles a little bit which is not Terry Stott's preference on defense I think that drives Stott's a little bit crazy Ken Bazemore does fun stuff, flies around, but he's a better help side chaos defender than he is an on-ball straight up on-ball defender and I think the Blazers miss Rodney Hood's just offensive ability here. They could have just used someone to score tonight on a night where they shot a season-low 36% from the field. But the other guy who saw a real bump in his playing time was Anthony Simons, who played 23 minutes. Tonight, he finished with 7 points on 3 of 6 shooting. Simons is going to play more in the immediate aftermath of Hood's injury. 
we saw a very brief return of the Dame CJ Ant three guard lineup. Terry Stotts talked about how with the way the rotation works in the past, it wasn't super easy to get back to that group when you're trying to stagger Damon CJ as much as he, as he was last week. I mean, only it didn't last even 10 days with Rodney and Mello in the, in the lineup together. But, uh, when you're trying to stagger them, it's hard to get back to Ant, CJ, and Dame together. But I think with this new rotation and just sort of the limitations of who's available to play small forward, you're going to see more of that three-guard lineup. I like that look. It's intriguing. The Blazers have been great with it. Anthony Simons, uh, his production has fallen off a little bit. But maybe playing with Dame and CJ will help him get there. Obviously, that trio has some limitations size-wise. Hazonia's just not the answer. Talk a little bit about more of that specifically about that in the third segment, but the Blazers, as Terry Schott said, you know what the roster is, we'll play the guys in the roster, and he did that. But he's really not comfortable going much deeper than that. Jalen Horde isn't an option. I don't think Anthony, I think Anthony Tolliver's played his way out of the rotation unless he's an emergency situation, and, the, and Stotts would much rather play him at five than really at four, and certainly he's not a three by any means. Gary Trent Jr., I think, could be deserves a look. But I think what we saw Sunday against OKC is similar to what we'll see Tuesday against New York Knicks. Dame, CJ, Bazemore, Carmelo, Hassan, a lot of Simons, a lot of Little, some Scalabus here mixed in, and Mario Hazonia as a have to play him in the first half ninth man. That's how Stotts handled it. What I want to talk about in the third segment is what are the other solutions? What else can the Blazers do? Because this team needs solutions. They got a lot of question marks. They got a lot of problems. They didn't look good against OKC. So what do they do next? So we'll talk about in the third segment. All right, so we talked Rodney Hood's injury. We talked about how the Blazers addressed it in the first game that Rodney Hood missed. As a note, Rodney Hood was not at the arena on Sunday evening. I don't know when he will make his return to the arena. A, an Achilles injury is not exactly something that once you get the surgery that it's you're not just not mobile. It's hard to rejoin the team. I think it could be a while before we see Rodney Hood again. Maybe he'll come to the arena and do media. There's an outside chance maybe he'll do media in a boot on Tuesday. I don't think he's going to travel with the team to Denver and Phoenix over the weekend. So it could be a while before we hear from Rodney Hood. For what it's worth, uh, the league media rules say that someone who suffers a serious injury like Hood's has to talk to the media within 48 hours of of the injury, of sustaining the injury. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I think the Blazers are going to go ahead and break media protocol on that because um, that's just how they're going to do it. Okay, so how do they handle... What are their other options after Hood? We know who's on the roster. We know what they did against OKC, but how do they? How, are there any other solutions? I think that's really what needs to be asked here. First of all, I think at some point in the very near future, the Blazers have to address this injury with someone off the roster. I don't think now is my time to give you a list of people who could replace Rodney Hood. There aren't a lot of great options for 
wings in the NBA who are guys who could play wing in the NBA who are just chilling right now. It's the thinnest position in the league is the, the, the three spot. It's the hardest to replace. If there were guys who could contribute at that spot on the street, they'd probably already be in Portland or at least on their way. So without getting into specifics of who those unemployed people might be, let me just say, I think the Blazers do need to address, likely need to address this issue by reaching off the roster, whether that's through a trade, whether that's through free agency. I don't, I think to me, it's clear this particular group does not have what it takes to be competitive after the hood injury. This it just highlights how thin this group was. They were already obviously thin, stretch thin. Uh Carmelo helped. Anthony helped, but he kind of just helped the Blazers make sense. He helped Rodney Hood step into a role where he could be not a primary scorer, but really the fourth option on a team with three primary scorers. And then when Melo and CJ went out together. Him and Dame could be a one-two punch. So he had a moment to sort of step into that secondary scorer role. And he had really, I don't know if flourish is the right word, but that group kind of made sense. That group fit what Rodney wanted to do. They don't have anyone to replace him. Kent Bazemore can't shoot. And he's not a one-on-one scorer that Rodney was. Carmelo Anthony can't play small forward at this stage in his career. And Terry Stotts basically said he wasn't going to do that prior to the game. I like Nazir Little's energy. I like the way he plays hard. I like that he is, at least once a game, showing something with his athleticism that is impressive. But he's not ready to be a starting small forward on an, an NBA team just yet. Even a bad NBA team, he's not ready to be a starting small forward basically exclusively played four so far in his career. Hazonia is intriguing and can handle the ball and pass a little bit, but he can't shoot. He makes too many dumb decisions. Uh, he struggled to finish as of late. I mean, he just he's just not a solution. So the best solution might be to go more of the three-guard lineup, but... Estats kind of rolled out a little bit, and I think there is some merit to trying more of Dame CJ Ant because the Blazers' future in some ways, I don't know if it depends on those three guys playing together, but if this iteration of the Blazers at full health with Zach and Nurk and all that is going to be at its absolute peak, if those three guys can't play together then you have to make a move somewhere down the line. So figuring out what that trio can do together might be valuable now in a season that looks like it's heading the wrong direction. So here's what I'm saying, and I'll finish it up on this. Against Oklahoma City, the Blazers looked terrible. They didn't play hard. They didn't play sharp. And some of that is just a talent issue. Sure, this was a focus and execution and all those things, but... What's been highlighted this season is that the Blazers aren't nearly as deep as maybe this team pretended to be at the beginning of the year, or or maybe earnestly thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. The injuries have mounted up to make them much thinner, but I don't think there's good solutions to replace Rodney Hood on the roster. I don't think there's good solutions to replace Rodney Hood on the free agent wire either. So what I'm saying is this is shaping up that the Blazers will be forced 
to make a deal. We're about a week away from December 15th, which is essentially a deadline where every player in the NBA can be traded. It's the unofficial start of trade season because players signed in free agency can be on the move. The Blazers have to not totally face plant over the next six days. And then they got to do something because the answer to who replaces Rodney Hood probably doesn't own a Blazer jersey yet. Blazers play the Knicks on Tuesday. Could be a chance for them to post their worst loss of the season. Could be a chance for them to bounce back against a truly awful team. I'll have a podcast after that one. I appreciate guys listening. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. Tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.